If you want to approach your birth feeling cool, calm and confident, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Hypno What. I'm your host Claire, a doula and hypnobirthing teacher from Edinburgh and I'm here to help you look forward to birth. So let's get going. Hello again pals and welcome to episode 4 of the Hypno What podcast. We are having another heatwave here in the UK, which means that where I am in Scotland, it's sitting at a pretty toasty 28 degrees at the moment. Not great for blue-skinned Scots like my husband, and he was working outside at a barbecue all day yesterday with no sun cream on the chump. So he's looking pretty crispy round about now. Today I am going to be taking you through the science of hypnobirthing, which is pretty complicated, but I've tried my best to break it down into an easily digestible chunk for you. We're basically going to be going through how the nervous system works and how it impacts on birth. And a lot of this is going to relate back to episode two, where I talked about the fear, tension, pain cycle. So I'd really urge you to listen back to that even if you've already played the episode, because you're going to end up with a much deeper understanding of the impact of fear on birth and how you can support yourself through it after listening to today's episode. Right, so the science of hypnobirthing. What is that? Hypnobirthing is a pretty rubbish name for what is actually a birth preparation course that teaches you not only about the physiology of birth, but really recognises the role that your mind plays in the experience as well. It's much less about being hypnotised and swinging clocks and more about your brain and how it works. And that's why I always say if you are pregnant and you have a brain, hypnobirthing is for you. And what people know about hypnobirthing is that it really focuses on trying to remain relaxed and calm. And I'm going to teach you today why that is so important during labour and birth. And actually, much of today's episode is going to be relevant to your day-to-day life, whether you're pregnant or not. So let's get into it. Running our body's day-to-day functioning is the autonomic nervous system. It's in charge of our breathing, our digestive systems, reproduction, heart rate, all of the stuff that happens in our bodies without any conscious thought. Our bodies just do them. And the autonomic nervous system is divided into two branches, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. And there's a lot of big words here, but bear with me. You don't need to remember what everything is called. You just need a rough understanding of how it all works together. So the sympathetic side of the nervous system is as my hypnopal Sophie so brilliantly puts it, our inner scaredy cat. This is the guy who sends us into fight or flight mode whenever our brain senses that we might be in danger. And I'd imagine that most of you listening will have heard of the fight or flight response. Well, that's a big part of what we're going to be exploring today. So a lot of this is probably going to be a little bit more familiar than you think. The sympathetic nervous system, that inner scaredy cat, runs on the stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. And when this system is activated, your heart will beat faster, your blood will be pumped to your arms and legs, 
you'll have a heightened sense of awareness. You know, think about when you're alone in the house and you hear a noise. All of a sudden your brain is hyper alert, listening and really paying attention to your environment. That's what I mean when I say heightened state of awareness. And we all trigger our scaredy cat system for different reasons. For example, with our fears. So some of us might be experiencing this when we see a spider or fly in a plane. The reasons for its activation are hugely varied and will be unique to us all as individuals because we all have different fears and stresses based on our different lived experiences. And our brains decide when we need to activate this sympathetic state based on our past experiences in a situation as well as what we have learned about it from external sources like TV or Marjorie down the road or Instagram. What your brain does is it recalls information from your subconscious and it uses that information to make a choice about whether or not the situation you're in is dangerous or not. And this is all happening under the surface in a matter of milliseconds. It's not based on any conscious or rational thought. So let's have a real life example. For me, I am terrified of spiders. I know a lot of people are, but for me, I can directly trace this back to a frightening experience that I had with spiders when I was younger. So my dad, for some cruel and callous reason, told me to close my eyes, hold out my hands, and when I opened them, he'd popped an enormous spider onto my hands and obviously I freaked out. And I'm sure you'll all have similar experiences that you can think of that relate to a fear that you have now. This function of our brains helps to keep us safe. It's part of the reason that humans have managed to survive and evolve the way that we have. Our brains remembered past negative experiences, buried them in our subconscious and then used that information to keep us safe. Like for our ancestors, they might have seen a predator in the distance and what their brains did was remember that Barry in the cave next door was eaten and also stories that they'd been told about dangerous creatures. So their brains tell them to run away and this fight or flight response primes their bodies to do just that. However, for our ancestors, this activation would have happened very, very rarely and only when we were in real physical danger. In modern life, it kicks in on the regular and in situations that aren't dangerous at all. For example, that spider is not actually going to harm me. And I know that. But my subconscious remembers that first shocking and scary experience. And that affects my body's physical reaction when I see spiders. I'm sure you have experienced this before as well. And in many different non-life-threatening non-emergency situations. For example, reading negative feedback, looking at your overflowing work emails, giving a presentation to your English class in high school, me teaching my very first hypnobirthing class. None of those experiences are physically dangerous, but they can cause our brain to trip out because it doesn't like the situation. And it would be at this point that our brain would say, "Ah, no, don't like this, not safe. And what it does is it stops your body functioning optimally and skips over to running on that sympathetic nervous system, that inner scaredy cat. 
And as I've been saying today, this response is nicknamed fight or flight. And that's because this is what your brain is gearing you up to do. It wants you to either defend yourself physically or to run away. And as we've said, it causes a physical reaction in the body so that we are able to do those things, so that we can run away or so that we can fight something off. So what your brain's doing is it's releasing a big shot of adrenaline, which essentially hits pause on everything non-essential for life in that moment of emergency, like digesting food or reproduction. What it does do is get your heart pumping harder. It ups your breathing. It diverts blood flow to your major muscles so that you can either run away from this scary situation or so that you can fight someone off. And we're going to go into this in more depth later, but you can probably gather that it's not ideal if you're not actually in an emergency situation. And guys, I can hear your brain ticking over. I can hear you asking, Claire, that's all great, really interesting, but how does this relate to birth? Well, we all have subconscious thoughts about birth, even if we have no real first-hand experience of it. Your subconscious is a bit like your brain's library or file room. It's where information that your brain thinks might be relevant is stored for use later down the line. And your subconscious will have a belief about birth. And the sad truth is that for the majority of people, this belief is that birth is dangerous, undignified, incredibly painful, something to be afraid of, something that you just have to get through in order to have a baby. And what this is likely to mean, if that is what your subconscious believes about birth, is that labour and birth is probably going to activate your sympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite of what we want. In the last episode, we talked about hormones. And when we went through adrenaline, one of the things that I explained was that adrenaline is antagonistic to oxytocin, meaning that if you're producing one, you're not producing the other. I also filled you in on oxytocin's number one job, which is making your contractions happen. So if we're entering fight or flight during labour, flooding the body with adrenaline, that's pretty likely to slow or stall your contractions by shutting down your body's production of oxytocin. And that is not ideal. Now, let's head back to the beginning. I said there are two branches of the nervous system. The sympathetic, which we've just gone through. Now let's look at that second branch. Here is where we have our parasympathetic nervous system. And again, let's not focus on the big words. Let's just think about what's happening in the body. So this is where we find the opposite of the scaredy cat system. The safe, sweet spot that we want to be in as much as possible. When our ventral vagal nerve is running the show. And when our bodies are running in ventral vagal... Everything is operating as it should. Our brains tell our bodies that we are safe. This state is fueled by the hormone oxytocin, which we know is super important in labour and birth. And when we are in this state, we feel safe and comfortable, happy and loved, relaxed and calm. The environment around us and the way we are spoken to those both have enormous impact on keeping us in this state, as does familiarity. And unsurprisingly, this is where our bodies work best. Your brain perceives no threat, so your natural bodily functions can just continue as normal. 
your hormones are balanced, digestion is moving along nicely, your breathing and heart rate are regulated, and in terms of birth, your body can get on with moving baby down and out. Now I've got some homework for you today. I would like you to think about what your automatic response is in stressful or uncomfortable situations. Do you want to shout and yell? Are you in fight mode? Do you retreat in on yourself? Just try desperately to get out of a situation? That's flight mode. Do you agree with someone and follow their lead, even when it's not what you want? This is called a fawn response, and it sits between fight or flight and the safe sweet spot of our ventral vagal state. Fawn is not a full-blown stress response, but it's not our safe and social state where we feel supported to be ourselves either. There is a bit of activation, which means it's not where we're totally calm and relaxed. And it's a kind of people-pleasing response. And it's a learned behaviour as well, as opposed to an instinctive response like fight or flight. The aim of fawn is to keep us safe within the confines of a pack or a hierarchy, so that we won't be ostracised. It's really, really common when we're in confrontational situations and our brains are just trying to diffuse any potential conflict. And the fawn response is really relevant in birth, as people quite often behave in this way when they're in conversation with their healthcare team. A bit of white coat syndrome, maybe? But all of a sudden you forget your questions or don't feel able to ask them when they're perhaps challenging what your doctor or midwife is saying. Now, the reason I want you to think about how you're predisposed to react is that knowing that will allow you to plan and prepare a toolkit that you can use during birth so that if you find yourself stressed, you have an idea of how to get yourself back to a place of calm, as well as working with your birth partner and figuring out how best you can support each other and how to spot warning signs that the other isn't feeling safe. The whole purpose of preparing for birth and understanding the impact of your nervous system isn't to completely eradicate these stress responses. That is pretty much impossible. These are instinctive behaviours, reflexive behaviours that are ingrained in our bodies, in our beings. They have evolved over tens of thousands of years and anyone who tells you that you can completely switch this off is not doing their job properly. The idea of hypnobirthing is to make you aware of these natural responses and the effect that they can have on your body and your birth. Hypnobirthing also gives you tools to work on telling your subconscious that birth can be safe, that it can be a joyful, empowering event, so that we can try to limit interference from that scaredy cat side of your nervous system. And knowing and understanding all of this is just as important for your birth partner. Not only so that they can appreciate why it's important for you to stay calm, but also so that they can keep an eye on themselves. If they can keep their own nervous systems in check, then they are in a better position to support you and help you get your body back to a place of calm where it can do its best birthing work. Our nervous systems are amazing and these responses are life-saving. 
They are the reason that humans have been able to evolve and survive. Back in the day, if you were in labour, would you have wanted that process to continue if you saw a lion in the distance? Absolutely not. That adrenaline spike, which shuts down the process, is incredibly useful. It gives you the opportunity to get yourself somewhere safe. But thinking about modern birth, that lion in the distance may well be your drive to the hospital. It is so, so common for labour to stall between leaving home and arriving at hospital. And the reason for this is that the change in environment can set off a stress response. Your subconscious doesn't realise that the move to hospital is good, that you are moving to where you're going to birth your baby. It just thinks, whoa, we're on the move. Where are we going? What is happening? We are not safe. And what I'm trying to highlight for you here is how responsible our thoughts, past and present, are for how our body reacts in situations. Feeling confident and informed ahead of birth goes such a long way to helping you counteract these responses as it builds your confidence in yourself and in your body. And what that means is we're going a bit of the way to ensuring that your physiology has the opportunity to work as it should, as it was designed to. I thought I would round off today's episode by giving you a tip for how to cope when you find that your body has entered a state of fight or flight. So we're going to talk about breathing. And there's a reason that this part of hypnobirthing is what people know about. And I thought I'd touch on it here briefly, as it's a really, really good tool to use when you need help regulating your nervous system, when you're trying to find your way back to the safety of your parasympathetic system. And this is relevant whether you're pregnant or not. At the moment, I am facing some pretty serious bedtime battles with my three-year-old. And I'm not going to lie to you, this is a major trigger for my nervous system. Breathing is fundamental to our being and our breathing patterns tell us a lot about how we're feeling in a moment and amazingly by altering our breathing in moments of stress we can often take control of that situation and influence our body's physical reaction to it. There are different breathing techniques to use during labour and birth and I'm going to touch on those in a future episode But I wanted this week to share with you a technique for everyday life, a super simple technique called box breathing. Now, practicing box breathing for just five minutes reduces physical stress symptoms in the body. And if you use it along with the box visualization that I'm going to talk you through, I find it can work as a bit of a meditation. It is useful anytime you feel that you need to be more relaxed which is handy if you're prone to anxiety in waiting rooms or in appointments, or if, like me, there are four sets of temporary traffic lights on the mile-long road between your house and everywhere you want to go. I box breathe at every red light because being at a standstill when I'm trying to get somewhere, usually nursery, is a big trigger for me to get stressed out. So, how do you do it? Okay, I want you to... Breathe in for four, visualising going up one side of a square. Then hold for four 
as you run along the top of the square in your mind. Then let it out, exhaling for four as you go down the opposite side of the square. And again, holding for four as you run back along the bottom of the square, taking you back to the starting point and just repeating round after round. I find that after a few rounds of that, I feel so much more in control of my emotions and I am no longer thinking about storming out of bedtime and slamming the door or crashing my car into the stupid traffic lights. And let's just relate that breathing back to the hormones that we discussed in episode three. Adrenaline and cortisol are antagonistic to oxytocin, like we said. When cortisol and adrenaline are high in your body, your breathing is going to be fast and shallow. And I'm sure you're going to be able to anticipate what I tell you now about oxytocin, which is that when oxytocin is high in our bodies, our breathing is deep and slow. And incredibly, changing your breathing pattern can shift your body's production of these hormones. Breathing is almost like a remote control to the chemistry of your body, short-circuiting it out of its stress response, telling your brain, actually, there's nothing to be afraid of here. We are safe. Right, takeaways from today's episode. We want to try and do as much during pregnancy and before, if you're at the stage where you're trying to conceive, to tell our brains that birth is not an inherently terrible experience, that it can be a safe, enjoyable, empowering, life-affirming, positive experience, because it really can be. If you head back to episode two, I go through lots of different tools that you can use to try and do this. And what this does is it reframes birth for our subconscious. It lets it know that we don't have to be afraid. And that can help to reduce instances of fight or flight during labour and birth. And I also really want you to remember that it is totally normal to enter a sympathetic state during labour and during birth. There are Lots of tools and techniques that you can use to get yourself back to a place of calm where you feel in control. This is one of the reasons that preparing for birth with your birth partner is such a good idea because then you're both on the same page and it's an extra brain to remember these tools and a friendly familiar face to reassure you and say, hey, this is normal. You're doing great. Right. Folks, I am off to enjoy barbecue dinner in the sun and a nice cold beer. Alcohol free because I am currently a doula on call, supporting a lovely family as they wait for their little babe to join them. So have a wonderful weekend and I shall speak to you next week. Bye! Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Hypno Walk podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode and you can find out more about what I'm up to by heading to birthingparentsclub.com. See you next time.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.